Hello and welcome to the Baby Giants Investing Podcast. Join us as we chat about the weird and wild world of small cap investing, all while searching for the precious few fast-growing businesses that have a shot at becoming industry giants. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Podcast guests and their clients may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Cool. All right. We're running. Today, I'm joined by Andrew Page of strawman.com. How are you going, Andrew? Good, man. How are you? Not too bad. A little bit sick. Claude's quite sick today, so he's he's not joining us, but he what's, what's sends he got? his regards. <laughs> he's got covid man uh, i'm not i'm not making fun buddy i know i know you're listening to this no it's, it's just like the worst it's like it's like his enemy right like he's just yeah. you know if any there's an enemy of claude it is covid and unfortunately it has struck him once again it was just waiting behind a bush to, yeah. to, to get him you know and it's like the second poor dude like the second time he's in so like, cautious about it like yeah as well. yeah yeah it's unfair get better get better man yep get better so some good news what have we got robo taxis michael sent this through on twitter talking about how san francisco is giving the go-ahead for more robo taxis in their cities it's actually been really controversial in san francisco which i mean san francisco for anyone who's not aware is like a failed state it's like gotham in like the dark night rises <laughs> yes, it <laughs> like, is. it's like the worst it's literally like that it's like super wealthy it's the wealthiest city by far in america like mm. on average but the average is just skewed by the billionaire tech billionaires that live there yeah. and then it's surrounded by just uh, homeless cities. poverty yeah. and open crime it's like yeah. yeah it's it's crazy anyway in this context all the robo taxis are like learning or doing their training there. And that's where it's all being led. Partly the tech thing. Partly, I think it's quite a slow moving city. So it's kind of like a good place where they don't crash too badly. But anyway, getting the go ahead there, which they had had local opposition. There was like people putting road cones on them. Apparently that like confuses the robot and they just stop. So I don't know how that <laughs> became that. But anyway, they've got the go ahead now and they're expanding operations. I did, as we talked about a, a couple months ago, did a robo taxi yeah. trip. I was impressed with it. I think it would be, yeah, I think it's the future. I think it'd be how we do just how all taxis work. So yeah, I'm excited. Do you remember when the e-scooters and bikes sort of, I think they're still around. I don't like in mm. places like Canberra, I feel as though they've had more success than they have in Sydney around my They got area. banned in some places, like in some, like in some cities it is banned. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not too far away from the Cooks River in Sydney and mm-hmm. I'd often go for a walk. There's a little park there. It's just like the, the canal. It was, I call it a river. It's just a s- disgusting slime pit, but it's getting better. But it was just full of like e-scooters and e-bikes. It was like people would just like dump them in there. And I kind of think how – I'm sure a lot of clever modeling has gone into sort of, you know, how do the economics sort of stack up and the rest of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people sort of factored in the throw it in the river factor. <laughs> And that, I guess that's harder to do with like a robo taxi, but it's it's, yeah. it's also I, I guess the barrier to vandalism on them is is a bit lower as well. So that'll yeah, be an interesting true. dynamic, you know. And maybe more cameras to like, yeah, you need police yeah. enforcement and stuff. Yeah, or yeah, a dark night. Yeah, dark, that's exactly what Gotham means. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least what they deserve. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just another aside on those those e-scooter things. I had a mate who worked in a doctor in New Zealand, and when they came out, he said it was like half of their admissions on like an e- Friday and Saturday evening were yeah. e-scooter, drunk people on an e-scooter that crash and just have like these horrific injuries. Oof. So, um, yeah, it kind of put me off. 
put me off the e-scooter thing a bit. Um, all right. Anyway, moving on. Another bit of well, this isn't really good news. I just thought it was kind of funny and science related. <laughs> I guess it's good news. Scientists have used a study with monkeys to treat gene therapy to treat alcohol use disorder in monkeys. So adolescent monkeys were given free access to alcohol and couldn't get enough of the stuff, which makes uh, makes them a useful a useful model for a, you know non human primates. Uh, comparable to humans i guess when their teenagers get access to alcohol and scientists took these monkeys injected the brains with a harmless virus delivering neurotropic factor a glial derived neurotropic factor a growth factor that prompts neurons to release the neurotransmitter dopamine controls for feelings and motivations doing so dramatically reduced the animal's drinking habits after alcohol was taken away and reintroduced raises a possibility of one day using a similar approach to treat extreme cases of alcohol misuse in people which is good news it's progress and i also just thought kind of funny to imagine scientists getting a bunch (laughs) of monkeys drunk (laughs) (laughs) i wonder if they had like the happy drunk and the violent drunk and like the full spectrum of different True. drunks within the monkey sleepy, model. Like the sleepy, sleepy monkey. Yeah, that's me. I'm the sleepy monkey drunk. Horny monkey. Anyway, we'll go there. <laughs> cool. All right, that's some good news. There was some other kind of macro-y stuff. We've got a lot of company stuff to get through. Just a quick one. Okay. It kind of shook markets overnight was China, which hasn't had as much focus, I guess, the slowdown in China. We've talked about it a, a fair bit on the pod. China has, amongst other things, announced some weak data announced they're going to stop and releasing data, which, if, as we know from any small cap ASX company that stops reporting a number, it's not normally a good sign. Mm. So youth unemployment in China is up over 20%, which is a pretty big deal on multiple factors because it's like it's maybe twice as high as Australia. It's very high. But it's also just quite relevant to China as like a regime where you don't you know, you don't want young unemployed people, the kind of people that protest in the streets. Mm. So anyway, China, the news overnight was China cut one of the key interest rates to try and stimulate growth, which kind of yeah. showed that, you know, they're gripping with deflation and economy slowing, property market slump, potential kind of shadow bank crisis. So basically a lot of stuff going really bad in China. And I guess the markets just overnight all reacted to that down about 1% or so and a lot of indices. I mean, it was interesting too, because like so much hope is probably the best word was placed in the reopening of China because China yeah. obviously had a lot more stringent lockdowns. You know, it is it is a big player on the global stage. It was like, well, when China reopens, I mean, things are really crappy in the West, but when China reopens, it's going to stimulate a bunch of demand. And it's kind of like, it hasn't really happened so far. I think a lot of that shadow banking stuff has been feels like it's been papered over because there's just sort of basic maths at play here. And it's kind of like, well, what? none of those has gone away, right? Like, yeah. so it's interesting. And, and it's just, then there's just the, the very opaque nature of the data that sort of comes out there that you can only guess. And it's not, I'm, I'm sort of, I get to a point where my natural inclination is to go to the hyper bearish. I don't know why I do that. I just, I just do. But then I've got to pull myself back, back from that because it's just, it's not based in, reason it's just i don't know what it's based on on a doomer mentality but at the same time you know it feels as though there are some pretty interesting structural issues there yeah it's a weird one man because yeah you can kind of look at the structural stuff and it's just been there for a long time as well so like a lot of the structural stuff you could look at like eight years ago when you know i went to china met with michael pettis amongst others and it was just like a lot of the talk then was that you know we were hitting the edge of this this the limit of what they could do with this growth model Mm. and they've just kept it going for like another eight years and everything's kind of it didn't really get repaired like all the you know things that were unsustainable just grew 
right? Yeah. Like the yeah. amount of debt, blah, 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 debt field growth, like being way too over investing in CapEx you know, look, and not enough. Ghost cities and yeah, like railway lines and highways to nowhere. and yeah, yeah, exactly. It didn't really get better. It just didn't. There was no blow up, I guess. And that's something that is different in China. It's not like a market economy, so there's differences. But yeah, maybe we're reaching a point where it's down to hit a limit. I don't know. Well, that's what I, I mean, I that I think that's the refrain that everyone says, oh, God, it's different. It's a command, command economy. But and it's not physics, right? Like you can't go faster than the speed up. There's not these hard limits, but there are certain factors that, you know, as closest to that kind of thing that you can get. I mean, at, at a point there is- a reckoning that needs to be happened. I wonder if it's just a question of it hasn't happened yet, therefore, okay, fine, it never's going to happen or it just hasn't happened yet. I mean, back to the monkeys and the alcohol, right? It's just like you can, you know, we all know of of someone who's probably slowly drinking themselves to death and you sort of look at them and go, wow, this is not going to end well. Like eight years later, they're still sort of somehow functioning. It's like, it's still not, it's not a great situation. No, it's not a great situation. I do think, yeah, I'm still, I would still be as cautious as I had been, but I've been thinking that for quite a while. So yeah, I guess we'll see one that we'll track over the next few months. I think people had, there's not a lot of people who, I guess a lot of people who had been bearish trying to just been bearish so long. They just, people forgot about it, right? Like it didn't yeah. work, you know, it's yeah. like, and so I think that that maybe it's coming back onto the radar a bit now, but yeah, we'll see what happens over the next few months. And I guess just on that reckoning, I'm, if potential, it's, it's, the way that it needs to sort of play out is that there has there has to be some kind of default at some level, whether it's a hard or soft or an implied or direct sort of default on money that has been lent out unproductively and will not be repaid. I mean, someone's someone's holding a bag somewhere, yeah, <laughs> many many bags in many parts, and that's again, I'm not saying it's the end of the world, but it's just like someone's someone's got to wear a loss here, right? Like you, you can't throw money at bad projects. I mean, let's bring it back to first principles here. It's like, hey, Matt, give me some money. I want to start a business. Like, okay, cool, I'll do that. And I go and decide that I want to do some stupid thing, and I just burn, I torch all your money, like. Yeah, you know, I can't just print up more money and give it. Well, I guess I maybe in, in a government sense, I yeah, could print up some yeah, money and it, give though. it to it's you. The, the real return, it's product, it's production productivity that disappears, right? Right. Over time, that your investment becomes less and less productive, and that's the that's the real world thing. And it's it gets confused because in finance, whatever news, we always talk about GDP in the short term. So it's like yeah. you know this idea like an earthquake is good for GDP because you go <laughs> out and have to do a lot of rebuilding, right? And it's like yep. obviously, like any person on the street could tell you. It's obviously not a good thing, right? You've just yeah. destroyed a bunch of productive capacity. But in yeah. the short term, it looks like a good thing. And so, yeah, that's kind of the potential thing that we're hitting here is like there's been massive overbuilding in property and infrastructure. And now it just, you don't need to do that. And I guess who who gets affected? The other weird thing with China is yep. the debt isn't held by the central government. The central government debt to GDP is always super low. They keep their mm-hmm. balance sheet like pristine and it's all kind of pushed out to local governments. Yes. And so local governments are kind of instructed to take on the debt or, or incentivize all these different carrots and sticks to do it. And the idea then is that central government could always act as, they're always you know, super strong so that they kind of guarantee the whole system. But if we, I, I guess the risk would be more like a malaise, right? It just becomes yes. this, all the local governments just kind of weighed down with debt and unproductive investments. You're not able to keep selling land anymore. So that like major income source is gone. That's probably the risk. I think there's been yes. some talk of it like, from geopolitical perspective, China being way more dangerous in this mode because there would be an easy way to get everyone 20% youth employed is, you know, mm-hmm. building 
tanks or something. So mm-hmm. there's like a risk of that. I think that's fair. Like leaving that aside, yeah, I do think I do think that's where you start hitting limits. But we'll see what happens. You know, yeah. There's a book, a most recent one I read. I've read several in China. Was China the bubble that never pops? Which I just think it sums it up. Like great title. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. All right, let's go to some local news, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What have we got? We got heaps of stuff. Maybe keeping Macquarie themed. JB Hi-Fi numbers were pretty good. Nick Scali was also surprisingly good. Did you have any thought on on the, some of the retail results that we'd had out over the last few days, Andrew? Yeah, I thought JB Hi-Fi was pretty good. Total sales were up over 4%, which is pretty decent. I mean, net profit was down almost 4% and mm. earnings per share was essentially flat. Although a record result, you know, it was yeah. up 0.1 of a percent, but hey, it counts. And look, that's not nothing to sort of like do cartwheels over, but I think in the context of expectations, it ain't half bad. And don't forget, we're cycling off a period where we're all, you know, decking out our home offices and working from home. And it was, you know, JB Hi-Fi did really well on the back of, of that. And it just feels as though, huh, that wasn't as bad as uh, uh, a lot of us thought. The balance sheet is in insanely good health, you know, huge amount of cash there, not much debt. It just, it just always gets talked about as one of like the standout retailers uh, in the country. So Nick Scarley, we've mentioned, I think JB Hi-Fi is up there. Bunnings is definitely up there. Bunnings. You know, Bunnings is like an institution. I think now yeah. that particularly now that I have kids, like it's like it's like a thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is but, yeah. a thing. And it's I've never I'm look, I'm not a big DIYer, but every time mm. I go there, it's just pumping, right? Like yeah. it is always pumping. And actually I'll say the same with 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 JB, right? Like yeah, every JB's time I walk like past that. that. Well. Yeah. I have to say, back in the well, how long ago? Uh five, ten years ago, I was quite bearish on JB because you'd sort of go in there and they'd have all these shelves of DVDs and games like who the hell's buying a DVD like it's people still like now in 2023 is like a DVD like it's like selling cassettes or something maybe (laughs) records I can get because they've LPs have got some kitsch value to it and like the audio you know audio files will go oh no it's such a better quality whatever but like you know you're buying a Steven Seagal DVD for $23 like I think basically what it is is like grandma's going. Well, I wonder what little Timmy would like, and yeah, know, yeah. this looks good. But and, I don't think that's a, it's not a big part of their sales these days, right? It's, they've just put no, on other but, things, but yeah, but it's a reasonable amount of floor space. It's not a well, it's not an insignificant. Anyway, it's anyway, it's that's, definitely presents. That's like a gift. Yes, you know? like no one goes from out grandma. and buys. Yeah, 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 yeah. A gift from grandma. That's definitely a gift from grandma. <laughs> There's you know, this artist thanks. called Elvis that I thought you'd like. Thanks he seems for this to be movie up and coming. That's also on Netflix and several <laughs> yeah, other streaming yes. platforms. <laughs> and I've just like got 500 this would perfectly be a less decent convenient way to watch copies. it yeah <laughs> <laughs> like no no I don't have a DVD player anymore <laughs> but they they have they execute evolved. really well really good yeah. culture really tight like all their operating metrics 100%. are always better than others the other thing with them is Amazon that's kind of the threat that I'd been more concerned about because Amazon launched into Australia and you kind of it just it eats electronics market share like in the US I think it's like over 50% of all online electronics is Amazon. Like it's over, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Like if you think about that. Wow. Yeah. And so they're still way smaller here though. So like JB, like just the amount, 
Amazon's growing is, you know, much smaller in dollar terms than JB Hi-Fi grows each year. So like, I don't think they're losing that much share to them, maybe. I don't know. It's hard to know. We don't have yep. exact numbers on Amazon. But that was kind of the other risk I have is like, for a lot of electronics, I would just buy instantly from Amazon. I'm kind of like a big Amazon Prime user as well. So like, there's a certain mm-hmm. threshold where I just use Amazon because it's like magically arrives at my door, you know, yep. a day later or whatever. Yeah. So I mean, I still think that's probably the bigger bear case for me longer term is Amazon, particularly the fact that i don't see a lot of other retailers investing in the fast shipping that they're doing i I read another Mm. interesting thing in the u.s they're down to like a few hours shipping and a few hours kind of yeah like even one hour shipping for like a lot of stuff and so a one hour like that changes the game pretty dramatically right like yeah especially when we're all like you know none of us have patience anymore we're all super short term whatever if you can get something in an hour even four hours like it's, a, yeah. it's yeah it's pretty pretty rapid i'm it's impressed with the next day frankly like I, yeah I'm like impressed it's way with... more convenient than going to a shop you know yeah. like for a lot of stuff and electronics you don't need to try out as much so that's still a bigger longer term bearish thing I'd, I'd have a concern with but in the meantime hey they're doing really well in this you know environment that should be really tough and so yeah it's kind of a there's a few ones like and nick scally you know you'd mm, kind of think mm. should be really hurt by the property slowdown less renovations and still kind of holding their own. they are they are more cautious Scally, so kind of getting yep. it out there. But did we mention this last week? I mean, the thing to when you look at the analyst guidance, and you know, take that with a grain of salt. But they there's like pretty substantial drops in NPAT expected mm. for the current year, like thirty percent. 35% kind of ballpark. And you think, gosh, that's pretty severe. There is So the point to note here is there's a reasonable amount of operating leverage. So that only, I think you get, I tried to do some really rough maths, but it was like, you know, 10, 15% drop in top line will get you that kind of fall. You sort of hold fixed costs steady and apply the, the, the same gross margin. But I think, and I and again, sorry if I'm repeating myself, but the, the market is not, not expecting that, right? And so JB, last I looked earlier this week, it was on a yield of 6.5% fully franked and yeah. on a PE of 10. And so you go, okay, well, let's, let's say that NPAT or EPS drops 35%. It doesn't push it up too high, right? And it's certainly, it might be too, like historically, these retailers never, they don't often trade at PEs of 18, right? So 15 mm. sort of upper end for, for these yeah. kind of guys. But if if you're at the upper end, bottom of the cycle, assuming that's what your view is, the, the conversation that sort of happened um, amongst a few members on Strawman has, has essentially been that there's a time arbitrage here. If you're someone who's able to sort of look three, four years out, okay, yeah, it'll be a crappy year, maybe this year, maybe the year after that. But at some point, if you just say, look, I don't know, in the year 2026, EPS are pretty much back to where they were in FY22, FY23, mm. and they're at a PE of 12, and I've gotten a pretty decent dividend along the way. Actually, the, the, the maths works out that you actually get a fairly decent return. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Like, a, um, you know, not necessarily saying that is the case here, but that's definitely the way that an investor can play it. And the thing that you have to keep in mind, though, is you do have to wear the reason people don't want to own it now is they have to own it as the share price falls, typically, right? Like, that's the hard part. You know, like, that's the it's cost. still going to trade on, it'll trade yeah. on less than 10 times, probably, if it's if you head into a recession and it, say profits fall 30%. That means your share price falls 30% yep. at least, yep. but probably more because the multiple probably comes off a bit more. Mm. And then you're kind of down there waiting, like, oh, you know, like you, that's, that's, it's easy to say time arbitrage the hard part is holding yes. knowing that it's going to fall and that's what puts people off it like they they just like oh, i'll just wait until the bottom and then of course that's how you miss it as well but yes yeah so i think that, i think that's the trade-off it's an interesting I, I, and i find the game theory super interesting around it because i bet i got nothing to back this up but i bet if you were to speak to all the retail analysts that cover it they would go oh yeah that's exactly what's going to happen but 
I don't want to hold it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's looking at what it's the it's the Keynesian beauty contest yeah. at large. It's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And I feel as though if you do have this, you know a decent amount of fortitude and a and a decent time horizon, there's something to be said for that. <laughs> Having said all of that, I haven't bought any. Right, I don't have a lot of cash lying around. Is my is my main problem, but. Yeah. I anyway, it's it's an interesting setup. Oh, actually, and the other thing that's worth worth pointing out too is with with JB is that I don't know shares are what 10, 12, I've got to look it up now, but it's, they're not far off record all time highs. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. right? Yeah. Fair point. It's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. We should move on though. Yeah. Yeah. Some other good news. Well, actually, related to those Tempo and Webster sales were up in July. They had a, a down year, which they've kind of flagged. And yeah, they kind of gave some success to AI, helping to write descriptions of things that they're selling, that they're using ChatGPT for interaction. They just, they just wanted to find a way to put yeah, AI into the, be, into the release. But another one that kind of surprised me in that it's still kind of chugging along, considering how much we know that renovations are dropping off and that everyone maybe bought a lot of furniture during COVID. So. Yeah, maybe another, just a quick one there. Do you want to cover Stealth Global? So maybe it was the, the caveat for this one. You do own it and it is super liquid nano cap. So oh, yeah, um, be I'll try and find some pretty negative things to say about it. But yeah, this is not a endorsement to buy. But yeah, it had some good results though at the same time. What, what, were, your, what were your thoughts? Yeah, tent- tentatively good results. I mean, the revenue growth wasn't as high as I think I would have liked the margins improved, which is, I mean, the thesis here is that, that they will they will see margins and trend more towards what US peers have done. And Mike Arnold, the CEO, has basically sort of said, we think we can do 200 million in revenue, 8% EBITDA margin. And the EBITDA margin at the moment is 4.7%. So that that could double on some reasonable top line growth. So the thesis for me has always been, well, actually, you can reasonably short of those targets. I mean, you still got to move in the right direction, but it's it's at a pretty low multiple. And probably because it's a bit of a lobster trap, because it's so hyper illiquid, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't I don't want to sort of promote this as anything that's that's like a, a slam dunk. And they've they've released they had like a basically a one pager. We haven't seen the full set of accounts yet, and there's questions that that are outstanding here. But there's a business that in FY23, you know, we saw revenue 11 percent higher, 17 percent if you look at just continuing customers. They've compounded the top line at 29 percent CAGR over the last three years. EBITDA was up 32%, NPAT was up 50%, very low base, mind you. And interestingly enough, free cash flow was over $5 million, $5.5 million, $5.6 million, right? The market cap here is $12 million. I often joke, you know, it's like I could buy like two houses in Coogee <laughs> on a 1% net yield, or I could buy something like this. They're on track to pay a dividend as well. I don't think they should. But what's, the, what's the concern in the market? Is it just like industrial stuff slowing and so like not good into a recession? Is that the main thing? You nah, it's, no one's looking at it. It'll be a gradually and suddenly kind of thing if it if it ever does sort of re-rate. And that could, that could take a couple of years. I think it's... They make this claim that 95% of their revenue is non-discretionary. Yeah. In other words... Okay. Right, and I hear, I get where they're coming from. In other words, if you're, so if you're in um, mining, is a is a big part of it, uh, construction or these kinds of things, and you're you've got operations, you need the high vis vest, you need the belt sanders, you need all there's hundreds, like, thousands of SKUs that they do, so you need it, right? Because it's it's like I'm not going to not use this. 
at the same time, you know, your customers may slow down. And, and so, so, you know, it's, it's not, it's not non-discretionary in, in that kind of sense. So I think there's some subtlety there and they're maybe being a little bit clever with, with how they're saying that. I've tended to take the view and I'm, you know, I don't know how confident I am on this, that even if there was some macro headwinds that the government is likely to instigate a bunch of infrastructure programs and that kind of stuff. There's, there's probably some benefit that they would get for that. And and we're also seeing lots of activity around sort of lithium and new materials. I don't know. I, I, don't know. I, feel, I feel as though they're, they're pretty okay. They've got a, a roll-up strategy in a very fragmented market, but one that they've done, I think, with a fair degree of discipline. Oh, they paid down a bunch of debt. I, I, I'll give them credit for this. I'm speaking, I'm spending way too much time on stealth, so apologies. So the last thing I'll say is that they use debt to fund some recent acquisitions and not equity. And I think given where the multiple and share price was and where the interest rate that they were available, which, you know, they're not they're not paying one or two percent. It's much higher for, for these guys given their scale and the rest of it. But I think she think it was very prudent. And they're paying that down pretty rapidly as well. So I feel as though decent execution, decent opportunity. It's just going to be a very slow burn. And yeah, that's all yep. I'll say. Yep. Fair enough. Another one, some some good news. Family zone now called Coria reached a hundred million of ARR. So that's pretty good news. It was not a huge step up. They were at 97 million as of June 30. So the next update was for July, which I guess on two, in one way, you're like, you could probably like infer that you're going to hit a hundred, you know, like, right. Not, but I guess they've done it kind of quickly, potentially if it's, if it's come through in July, it's only a month later. I, you know, I'm not sure how high quality their numbers on ARR, are, but yeah, a, a small token of good news, I guess, in the, in the meantime, company hitting a pretty big ARR number, assuming it's all legit ARR, like, yeah. you know, not, not yeah. anyway. Um, so yeah, pretty good. I love that. Yeah. That's good news. We chatted about families and cyber a, a fair bit in other episodes. You know, wants to tune into those, mm-hmm. get a bit of that stuff. What else is going on? Well, Kelly Partners announced a strategic review, which I thought was kind of interesting and got a bit yeah. of a buzz on Twitter. Kelly Partners is, so it's a, I guess you'd say like a roll-up of accounting firms. Exactly what it is. Yep. Yeah. So buys buys a lot of, of, of different accounting things, brings them under the Kelly Partners brand. And as we discussed before, got like a real global reach. Something about it resonated. I don't know if it kind of rode a bit of the, investor cycle in like 2020-ish times but yeah but kind of like it, it put out a message of being like we're similar to Berkshire Hathaway I guess would be mm-hmm. the way that I'd sum it up and just kind of resonated with a lot of these global investors looking for another mini Berkshire Hathaway and they kind of leaned into it a fair bit I think I might have teased a bit and the CEO kind of said in the FR thing I want to I want to be known as the next the Buffett of Australia or something which I think is a risky thing to challenge yeah. the gods to curse you with. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lawrence Cunningham is on the board well, that's um, the next thing, isn't it? So Lawrence mm-hmm. Cunningham, so he's the author of well, several books, I think, about Buffett. Interesting guy, to, a very well-respected guy to have joined yeah, your board. And, and, well, especially when you're like listed on the other side of the world. And I think mm-hmm. when he joined, it was like 150 million market cap. He's like, yeah, what? I, I imagine he could, maybe, I'm sure he's on several boards, but I imagine he could. It, it's not, he's, he's not doing it for the prestige, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what Brett Kelly's had to sort of, Paul to sort of convince him to come across other than perhaps the merits of, of the opportunity itself. But it is, yeah. I actually bought some at, I want to say at 85 cents. I'd have to check ah. it, thinking, 
Yeah, it was just super cheap. It was super cheap. And then I kind uh-huh. of thought, but ever got to sort of like, a, you know, dollar ten something like, I can't forget now. I was like, I'll take the money. And of course, of course, the gods <laughs> uh, do what they do. And it's like four fifty or something now. I got to <laughs> well, above the, five. But yeah. yeah. The news now is that there's a, they're potentially doing a strategic review to look at options for realizing shareholder value, which could mean like taking the company private or, or selling it, basically feeling that their the shares are now undervalued in, in their eyes. Yeah, I don't know. It was a, it was an interesting one. It caught a bit of attention. Uh, I mean, on one side, you know, potentially good if you can increase value of the shares. The other is that it, you know, it does trade on a fairly high multiple. Is 47, like, I just checked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that something that would normally get taken private? Take privates are normally at like very low multiples or something that stumbled. Yeah, do you have any thoughts on that type of strategic review? Maybe broadly, if not KPG? There are there are certain heuristics that you got to be careful with because there's always many many exceptions to the rule. But I joked to you the other day. We'll get to point two in a minute. But I kind of thought anything listed in Perth is a red flag. <laughs> Apologies to all our Western listeners, but I mean I'm joking a little bit. Have to you know, have to. I'm joking. <laughs> The other one is whenever you hear the word strategic review run, like it's yeah. never, it's never good, right? Like it never, it's ever, be, ever. I guess good. this is slightly different because it's not like we're bringing in the consultants to figure out what our strategy should be. Yeah. This is more like, uh, should we sell? But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I think that, I think that it's definitely gives pause when you hear that one. I mean, look, I think, I think they've got, we've spoken to Brett Strawman and he, oh, he's been everywhere. So he's he made some really good points. I mean, you want to talk about non-discretionary sectors, recession-proof sectors, accountancy firms, right? Like they are, they are super robust. They've got big opportunity, like roll-ups. Look, here's another heuristic, stay away from roll-ups, right? <laughs> I just yeah. mentioned. I just mentioned that with stealth, and, and which is also Perth based, right? So, like, again, I'm <laughs> breaking all roll up. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm just reading this news. Uh, stealth announces strategic review. Oh god, here we go, it's trifecta. Not, <laughs> it's not real, guys. <laughs> but you know what I mean. And so, and so anyway, but they have. I, I think they have executed really well. And there's a generational thing there. So, like, you know, someone who's run a, a practice for quite a while, and there's no obvious successor. And this is like the the value prop from Kelly Partners is well we will respect your legacy and we'll we'll run your enterprise uh, rather mm. than giving it to your idiot son who's going to like do coke in the bathroom <laughs> and sort of you know <laughs> what was the movie horrible bosses kind of style you know um, Donald Sutherland's kid whatever uh-huh. uh, who, that was a great okay. movie anyway yeah so that's the value prop it's like so that, and I think they'll do it and they've got yeah. they've got really good, decent growth and I mean look so. I think well, I'm just going off assumptions here, but what, 16 cents earnings per share, 2023 is the estimate, up to 23 cents in 2025. That's decent growth. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm. But it's kind of like, well, even if that's true, let's call it 25 cents that they do then. And let's say that they're on a P of 25, or, or sorry, say they're on a P of 15 or something at, at that point, which is probably more in line with what a company like this would normally on average trade it through the cycle. It's still like sub $4. So I feel as though, anyway, it, I, wa- I would love to understand where they feel as though the value is not being recognized. We could argue like degrees and maybe it's like a little bit undervalued, but is it screamingly, insanely so cheap that you need to have such a, a, a radical rethink? I don't know. No, that makes sense. Well, you mentioned Western Australia listed companies. So I think we, we have to cover off Pointera's announcement that they will be doing a capital raise. The last announcement, we kind of talked about this recently on the pod, but the last annou- the last deck from them had um, on one of the slides, Pointera's self-funding growth strategy, mm-hmm. which does seem to, I don't hmm. know. <laughs> I don't know what you mean with- by self-funding. <laughs> 
Uh, I mean, I've you will a... fund myself. <laughs> you give me right. money to fund myself. Yeah. Oh. And the other thing, the other thing that's got to stick in your craw is like they. We talked about it at the time. There was this ostensibly really positive announcement with some utilities companies over in the US. Again, reasonably vague, but mm. very blue sky. And mm-hmm. like shares went from like sub. They're up almost hundred percent at one on the day. On the day, on the day, on the day, they they yeah. In fact, they I think they closed. Well, what was it? Thursday, the twenty seventh of July, nine and a half cents. Twenty eighth of July closed at twenty and a half cents. There you go. There you go. So down at thirteen cents. <laughs> so I was like, but okay. I, I think a couple of people might have said on Twitter and elsewhere that this probably means a capital raise, right? You, you're getting the share price up, getting getting ready for it. So I think it's sort of like I've I've sold down rather heavily. I I really like the tech. I love the opportunity. I was a real sort of believer in it, but it's just sort of like for me twelve times <laughs> on you. For me 13 times you know i don't know am i being too harsh i don't know yeah i guess we you need to see what happens well it'll depend what happens from here i guess there's basically been a few things that were not ideal from you know talking about arr and seeing it flow through in cash and a few other metrics that kind of moved right over time and yeah i don't know it does annoy me the self-funding type talk which I've, I've seen before i think i mentioned it on maybe on the last pod where i've even had a company say that they don't need to raise capital in the meeting where they're raising capital like <laughs> we're meeting with people to talk about raising capital and i'm like so when we last met you said you didn't need to raise funds and they're like yeah we don't need to raise funds it's like with you're raising funds <laughs> like what how do those things go and this wasn't point zero; it was another business. But yeah, that does does annoy me a little. I guess what would it take from what it needs to happen from here? So, what would you hope that they raise? I guess a lot and don't need to raise again, and then just start, you know, turning it into contracts and cash flow. I'll be generous here. So we don't know what the raise is for. All we've seen is the ASX announcement, which is said we're going into pause. And then you see the attachment from the company secretary of Pointera, who just says it's it's in relation to a pending announcement, you know, regarding a capital rate. Maybe there's some like awesome acquisition that they're picking up for like, you know, one times EBITDA. It's going to like bolt on this incredible technology and expand them into these really lucrative markets. God, I'm reaching, I'm really reaching at this point. So we don't know, right? So it, it, it maybe, maybe that's, that, that would, I would, I would look on, depending on the nature of a potential acquisition, I would look on that very differently as I would to, oh no, we just need some cash because otherwise we're, we're insolvent, particularly in light of recent comments. Now, look, even people in, in the hot chair who are steering the ship don't know what the future brings and they can give honest hand on heart expectations and you know business is hard and things change around so I'm not I'm not going to be overly critical of things that may have been said 6 to 12 months ago and like you know the world just hasn't evolved in the way that they expected especially if they're honest and and, and candid about that but when you say it literally like you know what weeks before and now you're saying this and now this is just for like operate like working capital purposes like that is it's a big Red Cross, as is, and the other thing which we've talked about a lot of as well is they just stopped re- reporting ACV. Every announcement, ACV, 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 and no, actually we're not going to do it. And and it it's just it's a real like it's like China and not reporting youth unemployment anymore. It's like whoa, why? <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine you've decided not to because the figures are just so good that you don't want to report them anymore. So there's kind of a death of a thousand cuts sort of phenomena here. Like I, I as I say, fool me a few times, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll be a bit sanguine about it. But at a point, you kind of think it's on you, right? And maybe this is the wrong point of capitulation when, and I'll look back in years to come and go, oh man, I can't believe I was saying this when it was at 13 cents and now it's $1.30. But it doesn't look good. I think we can all agree on that. 
no, I think that's fair. We'll see what we'll see what happens when it actually comes out. We don't we don't know what the raise is yet. Maybe we'll have an update on it in a few weeks or or months. We'll see what see what's going on. We we have to talk about uh, another show favorite. And, and Claude's not here, and, and I, if he was here, he would do it far more justice than we. Yeah, well, let's maybe wrap with that one. So Claude wrote a good article on this. We're talking about Prometicus. So if you want to check it out, he's not here on a richlife.com.au. Do you want to somewhere give- somewhere he just got like a cold shiver down his yeah. spine? It's like. <laughs> Do you want to just give us a headline? Oh man, what an incredible business. Like, so let's put the share price aside for a second. We'll come back to that. But I mean, just an insane, like, I, I, we, without hubris, I will say top 10 business on the ASX, maybe, maybe top five, like in terms of self-funded, this is self-funded, right? Like their share count's gone down. In fact, <laughs> uh, over the years, I believe at the very least that's flat when you sort of do the buybacks offset with some employee shares, but they have continued to grow at an insane rate. Revenue was up 33.6%. Net profit was up a bit more at 36.5%. You know, the cash pile jumped up to over $120 million. It was a 34% increase, completely debt-free, fully frank dividends, just like win, 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 win. They just can't stop winning, right? Like it's just, it's insane. What gets everyone and certainly has gotten me is you kind of look at it and go, hmm, you know, even on that increased profit number, it's on a 127 as a PE. Yeah. I mean, that's up there, right? It's up there. So the comment I made was that you never want to be fussy on a, on a really, really high quality company, but there is, there is a limit, right? So again, this is not a valuation, but this is a what if. And you can do things like this. You could say, well, let's say they've grown it. What did I say? The CAGR on EPS over the last five years has been 35%. So it's, it's off a smaller base. Let's say they do 25% per annum over the next 10 years. And, and bear in mind, the market opportunity is sufficient for that at least to be possible. And they've talked about going into new areas, adjacent season. There is actually legitimate, legitimate AI applications and all this other kind of stuff. So they could do it. They could do that. And that would only get them to, I think it gets them their profit to, oh gosh, I didn't write it down anywhere, but no, nothing that's sort of like out of the ordinary, right? It doesn't make it bigger than the GDP of California or something when you start compounding large numbers. And then if you put them on a PE of 35, a CSL trades on something like that as a high quality health yeah. tech sort of companies. It's not it's not stupid to do that. You could do that and you could buy it today and get a 10% compound return, excluding dividends. Yeah. That's doable. And then you could say, well, actually, well, what, what if I just extrapolate 35% growth? You know, again, it's not not impossible. And you get the same PE. Well, now I've got an 18% compound return. And that would be an NPAT of 1.2 billion in the year 2032, which again, for a company that's very deeply embedded in every major hospital around the world, like, yeah, that seems plausible. So the comment I will make make is, is that it looks crazy expensive. It might not be, but there is, I think we can all agree, a lot of optimism built into it. Do you think you'd be tempted to buy here based on what you're saying though? Because I, 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 yeah, you're kind of open thinking it sounded, it sounded expensive, but it actually, from what you're saying, maybe not so expensive if you can. Or is it more I, that it's priced, pricing in a lot of that assumption that, you know. You mentioned Mike before. I think he made a comment on Stromage is like, there'll be a, so I, I did buy some in COVID. You know what? I I am the worst market timer in the world, but I picked some up $15 something in COVID because in like really when things were getting dark. And so I I wouldn't pretend that I can time anything, but I do know that markets go through ups and downs. And this is one that is just absolutely on top of the wish list. And I'm not waiting for it to get to a P of 15 because that ain't never going to happen. But I think that you could, you may get a better opportunity in the future future. The, the other thing that I really got to disclose here is, is that my thinking is so muddied with the experience I've had is to not be rational at all because I yeah. 
I've sold so much on the way up. I'm yeah. just I just look at it with with you know bitterness and and that's just so I'm not I'm not I'm not a rational agent. Yeah. What What do you think? Yeah. No, I think it's fair. It's, it's just yeah. It's it reminds. It doesn't. I don't want to compare it to Appen, but there's a certain point where Appen was at forty dollars, and people were like, "Well, it's actually cheap if it keeps growing at thirty five percent a year." And you know, it's reasonable AI, so a lot of demand, etc. And obviously, very different. I'm not I'm not saying it's like that, but it is just yeah. It is things can go very differently if they don't if it starts growing at ten percent a year. I guess it's probably the thing. Like the yeah, the, those numbers all change pretty dramatically. So uh, look, there there is a lot to say on it, and I think the best thing to do is just go to a rich life and because claude's got a super detailed article on it yeah and we we won't do better than that so yeah go go check that out yeah sounds good yeah maybe we wrap it there Andrew. we had a good chat there's plenty plenty more we'll chat through next week earnings coming through hot and fast until next time thanks everyone very much for listening if you have any thoughts you can hit us up on twitter at baby giants pod and yeah thanks very much yeah thanks everyone